With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Pittsburgh Steeler fans, welcome back to another episode of The Hangover. I'm Daniel, and alongside with me, as always, is Shannon. Shannon, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. I'm just, we was talking about it all day. I'm just excited about this discussion. Oh, I am too. I mean, this is the one that we've been working up for. We've been talking about, you know, uh, power uh, power rankings by position as far as greatest all-time Steelers. It's been a long um off season, so to speak, or a long dead period. Training camps just around the corner. Before we get into our discussion about you know who's the best quarterback and and, and things of that nature, uh, let's talk about the current uh, situation right now. Alex Highsmith gets a bag. He had a press conference today. Uh, the Steelers have signed him, extended him on a four year extension, sixty eight million dollars. Huge. I think the Steelers have, that shows confidence in him and in the position they paid him as a top ten outside. Uh, linebacker um, what do you think about the pay you think it's it's appropriate a little too high a little too low where are you at on Alex Highsmith well actually he comes in at number 12 oh really yes because originally everybody thought he was going to be top 10 but he actually come in, comes in right now at number 12 it's actually a great deal it, I'm happy for Alex Highsmith an outstanding young man and a young player uh, financial security, you know, that, that he could have probably never imagined as a walk-on. A guy who had no stars coming out of high school. He was an afterthought. 
and he has built himself into what he is today. So he's the ultimate success story, and he is the perfect Pittsburgh Steeler. I'm very excited for him. Uh, his press conference, nothing he said surprised me. Uh, he is just a high-character young man. He he you know, he wanted to get it done before training camp so he could come in, just focus on getting better, just focusing on growing with his teammates. Uh, the guy always says the right things. You know why? It's because he's just telling the truth. It's who he really is. And if a person has character, they reveal that quality. So he doesn't have to, you know, he's not going to say one thing over here on this podcast or on this talk show. That's just who he is. So I'm very excited for him and for the Steelers. I think it's going to be a great deal because if he even hits double digit sacks for the next couple of seasons, what they're going to be paying him, that position, the salary is only going to go up. Yeah. So if he's 12 now, he's going to be 18 maybe in a couple of years, and you're just got to bargain. Right. I've heard different people talk about, well, they got too much money invested in the defense. It's one-sided. And the stores have been like that for the last decade. They're either paying more on the offense or they're paying more on the defense, but it is just what it is. The defense has the stars. The defense has the established veterans, whereas this offense is young and uh, and they're coming on but they don't have any superstars on offense yet. So the money better be on the defensive side of the ball. And yeah. so it's just the nature of the beast. It's not like they're underspending on offense. It's just those guys haven't hit that level yet. That's what you want with a rookie quarterback on a rookie contract. So, yeah, I personally think that Highsmith uh, was a no-brainer. I think they got the best edge tandem in the NFL – and it's going to give them a chance to be a uh, definitely a top 10, if not top five defense this year. 100%. I think that this team definitely has that opportunity. The defense is going to be going in places. And I mentioned that there might be some growing pains early on, but that has more to do with the middle linebacker position and the new pieces in the secondary. I think the Steelers are going to lean heavily on the pass rush. And one thing I like about this contract is the timing in it. It's done before training camp. There's no hold in. There's no hold out. There's no, um, you know, risk of unnecessary, um, you know, little wear and tear injuries that we've seen from players who have ex- exercised a hold in or hold out and didn't participate mm-hmm. during training camp. We don't got to worry about that. I think you're absolutely right as far as taking care of it now. You know, as the uh, salary cap increases and as other players get paid, that value for um, Alex Highsmith is going to go up as far as his cost is going to go down. And so as long as, he, like you mentioned, he can hit those double-digit sacks at, mm-hmm. um, for the next couple of years, it's going to be well worth it. I think he has the, the he's capable and, and he's the ability to do so. You know, I, I thought last year was going to be a big year for him, and he really did step up to the plate during the most pressure, uh, pressure moment. You know, going into, you know, that uh, third year, that's a big year whether or not you're going to get an extension afterwards. And up until that point, we've seen a lot of potential with Alex Highsmith, but he hadn't gotten – uh, there yet you know he had mm-hmm. double digit sacks he had gotten pressures he had gotten close but he wasn't there yet and last year blew it up and i for one think that this is a great tandem you know keeping these two guys together also is is a great decision i mean i, I felt like for instance um chad brown was an outside linebacker that left too soon i felt that if they kept him around um 
then, you know, that outside linebacker group could have gone, you know, even better. And so, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I learn from your mistakes, keep the good ones around, mm-hmm. make them Steelers for the long term. I like it. Now, transitioning kind of to the opposite end of the uh, of the spectrum, a player mm-hmm. who hasn't taken it down yet, a player who hasn't signed his contract going into training camp, uh, Joey Porter Jr., how concerned are you right now that he still is yet to to sign that rookie deal? Not at all. Still, still I'm not concerned. Um, again, I think it's just verbiage, terminology. They're just getting some of this stuff ironed out. Uh, is the second round there? There's been three guys recently to sign. Well, uh, Will Levis in Tennessee, some of these guys early second, uh, uh, Stroud for the Houston, Texas, their first round quarterback. He did sign. So there's three guys that have not signed contracts. I know Witherspoon, who was a cornerback, uh, taken ahead of JPJ, mm-hmm. uh, and you've got Joey Porter Jr. And I can't remember who the third guy is. But it's it's just now they are slotted into, you know, what they're going to get paid based on where they're selected. So now it's just, are they going to throw a little bit more guaranteed money later in the contract for Joey Porter Jr. like they did uh, Kanawha Benton? Because that's what, I'm sure that's some of it is he wants a little bit more guaranteed money than Benton got. And yeah. so I think they're going to get it worked out. He His dad knows, you, you know, the best thing he can do is get to camp, get in there. They're counting on him this year. to if he's not a starter, he's going to be the first off the bench, you know, in, in certain packages to start out. And they need him, and he needs the experience and the reps. So I, I think we'll see him at camp. I don't expect a hold in or anything. And I think this deal gets done in the next couple of days. To to play devil's advocate, and I'm not necessarily saying that this is accurate or this is true, but the Pittsburgh Steelers did get a glimpse at Joey Porter Jr. during rookie minicamp, OTAs, and and uh, and minicamp. Mm-hmm. Is there a possibility, maybe, perhaps they didn't like what they saw, or you know, they didn't? It doesn't meet the value of what they're looking at, or maybe perhaps he's you know, they're a little bit concerned there. Is there is there a possibility for concern? Oh, I don't think so. Uh, based on uh, Nick Fireball and different people uh, that we've talked to, they said that it was just, it's basically like a glorified walkthrough. They're right. going over form. They're going over, you know, a lot of uh, uh, discussion between him and Patrick Peterson because Peterson really took Porter Jr. and Trice under his wing. And, and he's like, this is what you need to look for. And this is what you need to do. So, there really wasn't a lot of actual one-on-one competition where he was matched up with some of the, the receivers for the Steelers. Um, so I don't think they've seen anything. I don't think there's any attitude. I don't think there's any bad blood. I mean, I know that Porter was, you know, a little upset at first that he wasn't taken in the first round. Uh, I think he has to understand what a great value and how it worked out for the Steelers and for him. And, and I'm sure he's probably just trying to make up a little bit of what he felt like he lost by being the first pick of the second round. So, but no, I don't think there's anything that they've seen or that concerned them that that's holding up these contract negotiations because they really haven't had a chance to prove anything yet. 
True, true. That, that, that That's 100% true. You know, the, the training camp is where you see these mm. players put on, you know, the pads. I, I believe last year it was uh, Gunnarsheski prior to the pads getting put on that was quite open quite a bit. In fact, there was a lot of talk of him being utilized possibly, um, you know, uh, more often during, you know, on, on offensive snaps because of his ability to get open. And once training camp came, those conversations ceased. <laughs> and so <laughs> I didn't hear anything else about it. <laughs> and so, you know, putting on the pads, it does make a big difference in my opinion. Uh, but yeah, no. So when do you think it's going to get done? Do you think it gets done uh, in JPJ's deal? You think it gets done before training camp, before they, uh, they, they show up on the 26th? I, I like I said, I believe it gets done before Thursday, or mm. or by Thursday. I so I'll say in the next few days, two three days, it will get done. If it doesn't, but that's just that's just a feeling, you know. It's a hunch, right? One hundred percent, one hundred percent. We don't know. We we're not in contact with Joy no, Porter's agent not. or anything, so they won't return my calls. <laughs> We've been they trying. They never return my phone calls. <laughs> um. If it doesn't, do you think that there is a possibility of a hold? And do you think that he goes out there and plays training camp without a contract? If if there's anything like a hold in, like I said, it would really shock me because I just, I just think that he wants to contribute. He wants, I believe he wants to be a starter. Um, And if he comes in and he balls out right from the beginning uh, during the preseason and all, he might start over Wallace. So, uh, but he can't do that if he's holding in. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. I, I think Wallace, Wallace might be a guy who's safe this year. I think there's going to be a transition through Patrick Peterson and having him move around. Uh, but you know, there is that possibility. They're going to give him an opportunity. Him and Corey tries to show themselves, mm-hmm. you know, granted it's probably not going to be like a fair opportunity where it's like 50, 50 on, on, ones but they're going to get a couple of opportunities there where they're going to get a few plays and if they show up that they deserve more than just a few plays yeah uh, we'll see what happens and so i'm excited i can't wait for this to start i'm looking so forward to it it's been a long dead period of time and now we finally are going to see clips and videos of this team participating and practicing and and i just can't wait i just can't wait but before we get into that, before the training camp starts and, and everything else, we're going to finish up our discussion on uh, power rankings by position, top stealers of all time. And today's the the last one, the finale, the big one. Who's the best quarterback of all time? We have arguably there's two that are in consideration. You have from the 70s, um, Terry Bradshaw, Hall of Famer, four-time Super Bowl champion, uh, has – all the hardware that you would love to or would need to be in, inducted into the Hall of Fame. And going up against them is Ben Roethlisberger, who doesn't have as many Super Bowl trophies. But when it comes to, you know, the accolades, the yards, the stats, the touchdowns, by a far margin uh, is far past everybody that's ever uh, worn the black and gold for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And so um, we'll start off first with, just from a hundred point view without looking into anything, who do you, who would you think would be the better quarterback of the two? Well, I, we've had these discussions through the years, uh, probably for the last decade, because once Ben got, took him to three Super Bowls, one, two Super Bowls, he passed Bradshaw's numbers pretty quickly. And, so the debate started, you know, who's the best? Who's the best? 
And so I've always had an opinion because I'm one of the guys old enough to have watched both of them. Now, I remember Bradshaw when he was good mm-hmm. in the second half of his career. And, and I got to enjoy that Bradshaw. I don't remember the Bradshaw in the early 70s. Um, so, but I've, I've seen the highlights and, and read any book I can on the man. I mean, I have an article coming out tomorrow that will correspond with our podcast this evening and where I make my final selection. And so what I wanted to do was break it down in the categories, um, break it down in athleticism, break it down toughness, break it down impact and break it down legacy because everybody has a preference. I'm kind of unique in that these are the two, my two favorite quarterbacks and maybe Steelers of all time. Mm-hmm. When I was a little boy, my, one of my first gifts, I'm going to tell you a story now. One of my first <laughs> gifts was a department store leather youth football that had, I remember I was about six or seven and I can remember that foot getting that football for my birthday. And I loved that football because I was still a fan already. And we played, me and my buddies played countless hours of football with that ball. And there's still a picture of me with my Lynn Swan jersey on holding that football. Uh, and I think I was about seven. And I wanted to be Terry Bradshaw. Uh, I learned to throw a football incorrectly. I threw the football with my finger up near the apex, my index finger up near the apex of the ball, the point. Because that's how Bradshaw threw it. Nobody teaches nobody to throw the football that way. But that's just how he threw it. Yeah. Um, So I thought he will always be the greatest Steelers quarterback. And that was until Ben come along. And after watching Ben's whole career and looking back at what I remember from Bradshaw and then watching Ben as he progressed, um, as I wrote in the article, Bradshaw had one of the strongest throwing arms ever. Uh, Just for an example, when he was in high school in Louisiana, he held the national javelin record at 245 feet. Oh, wow. Uh, he had just, he could throw anything and he could throw it hard. And he had such a powerful throwing arm. Um, when he got to the, the pros, he had the benefit eventually after 74 of playing with two Hall of Fame wide receivers in Lynn Swan and John Stoller. And if you watch the highlight film, if you ever wonder why is it they're always making these circus acrobatic catches. Mm-hmm. Swan made catches to where his leaping ability was unmatched because he could also go vertical and horizontal. I mean, he jumped great distance too. And mm-hmm. he would go climb the ladder to get passes that nobody has done since then. And he was a shade under six foot tall. That's impressive enough. But back then we got to remember you was not considered a defensive de- defenseless receiver. So mm-hmm. if you went up, they could spike you, they could flip you, they could do whatever. 
It took major Gahonis mm-hmm. courage to do the plays that they did. So Bradshaw, the one thing he did not have was accuracy. But he knew if he got it anywhere in their vicinity, they would come down with the ball more times than not. So that is one of the reasons why that after looking over all the evidence and breaking it down, I come to the conclusion that I did. Um, Because you're talking about two of the all-time great Steelers and two guys whose impact and legacy, the Steelers would not be the Pittsburgh Steelers without Terry Bradshaw. Uh, Major Green was the foundation of everything. But Terry Bradshaw was the architect of that offense. Right. That went on to be the dynasty. And then you would not have, because the Steelers had that curse of Dan Marino two decades, two decades where they did not have a franchise quarterback. And then Ben come along and he continued the legacy that Bradshaw created. So, like I said, this was all a labor of love. Uh, from a, a, a person, an individual who does love both players immensely and loves the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I know everybody has their preference, and I would not try to influence anybody in either direction. Just make sure when we have these discussions that we're as educated and informed as possible and understand why that people feel like they do, regardless of which side of the aisle they're on. One hundred percent, one hundred percent. And for me, you know, looking at this from a hundred foot view, right? Um, you know, you you look at the first things first is the result. That's the first thing that pops out to you. It's the first thing that would pop out to me. You're looking at four Super Bowls mm-hmm. versus two Super Bowls and one loss. And so I, I think that the early pre- uh, perception could lead most folks to believe that Terry Bradshaw was the better of the two quarterbacks. But I, I do think that. And I want to ask you this. I think that a Super Bowl team or Super Bowl winning team is constructed by a team. Um, there's been a lot of great players that have done uh, that have played football better than other players who have not gone a ring. And it's so solely been because of the players that surround that person. Right. So you're looking at a team. That's what wins Super Bowls, individual players and the stats. I think that could be different. And you also have to take into consideration, you know, could Terry Bradshaw have done more, you know, today? And would would um, Ben Roethlisberger have been able to at least done what Terry did back in the 70s? You know, and those are the kind of the questions that you need to answer. And so, uh, you know, like I said, from a 100-foot view, just kind of looking at the results, you kind of would lean, in my opinion, towards Terry. And then you look at the stats, and the stats kind of very much so lead towards Ben Roethlisberger. In your opinion, which one has more weight? as far as who's the better player, the results as far as the Super Bowls or the stats or the individual accolades? Well, you can't overlook any of that. It's funny. All these things you mentioned is in my article. <laughs> um, we, we, if we just step back, as you say, take a broad view, Terry had the benefit of playing on maybe the most talented roster for like a six to eight year period that the NFL's ever seen. There is more Hall of Fame players on that same roster with Terry Bradshaw than any quarterback ever benefited from. And not just on offense, but on defense. The still curtain defense is legendary. The things they did, what they did in 1976, it doesn't even seem possible. 
But that's how great that the the talent was on those teams during the dynasty. So Ben did not have that luxury. Uh, as I said in the article, Ben had three Hall of Famers he played with. Alan Fanica, Jerome Bettis, and Troy Polamalu. Alan Fanica was near the end of his time with Pittsburgh. Um, Bettis was in his last two years. He got Bettis to come back for one more year to win the Super Bowl with him. And then he had Troy. It pales in comparison. Yeah. Bradshaw won a lot of what he did. He always said, well, you you might lose with me, but you'll never win without me. Now, that sounds cocky, but it was true. Because he knew he was the first overall pick in the draft in 1970. He knew that he had to develop if the Steelers were going to become champions someday. And he had to have that belief in self-worth. And he was able to – his story is maybe the greatest story of patience and perseverance that the NFL's ever seen. That could not happen today. Mm-mm. Beyond could he play today and could Ben play back then. Before I even answer that, I'll say that could never happen today because if you're a first-round pick, they're expecting you to play at some point in that first year. I mean, very seldom does a Pat Mahomes get to set out his first year, you know, and really be ready when he starts as the sophomore, you know, or that second NFL season. Um, Ben was, I mean, Terry was bad for a while. I mean, he finished his career with 212 touchdowns and 210 interceptions. A vast majority of them interceptions, he was way on one side, on the wrong side of the ledger after the first four years of his career. Mm-hmm. And then he improved over the second part. Um, one little quick note I wanted to mention is today in 1984, and it's just one of them coin how things work out. Today in 1984, Terry Bradshaw officially announced his retirement. That is so, crazy. so I thought that was, that was an interesting tidbit. But one of the ways I come to my conclusion in the article is – When you talk about toughness, you're talking about two of the toughest quarterbacks easily, easily to ever play. So I I say that most quarterbacks now could never go back to the 70s because the football that I watched in the 70s, they couldn't handle it Mm -hmm. because they was not the protections that there is today. You know, where if a guy goes by and he reaches out and he taps your helmet, oh, that's a 15-yard penalty. Touching the quarterback above the neck, you know. Yeah. Oh my gosh, they was clotheslines, they was elbows. Them guys back in the days would wrap their like plaster cast their forearms, and they come through and they would use that forearm to slam down on the helmet of the quarterback. <laughs> uh, it's it just a different era. It's a different game. Could Ben have went back? I think no problem. I think he would have been dominant back then. Absolutely dominant with his accuracy because completion percentages were much lower back in that time. Right. And and as we know, the rules were different as far as how you could impede the receiver and the middle blunt rule, like we talked about last week. So I think that the Steelers could have still won and maybe won more with Ben because Ben was much better than Bradshaw right out of the gate. Oh, 100%. I mean, Ben came in. Won like what fourteen games in a row. Made it yeah, all the way I think to the he AFC first championship. Thirteen, yeah. 
<clears throat> yeah. And so, yeah, no, no doubt. But I, I think that Ben Roethlisberger would bring up a picture of his face after Haloli not to hit him in the in the nose to say that he got hit in the face a couple of times and didn't get a flag for that one either. <laughs> well, but that was the thing. I mentioned it again in the article that he never whined about it. He didn't act like he cared. We got aggravated. Us, the fans, were like, man, they mugged him. Where's yeah. the penalty? That Oh, my gosh, if they had done any of this stuff to Brady, they had done suspending him six games. But they would do that stuff to Ben, and he just got up and kept playing. So, um, but if you looked at Bradshaw, if he was to play, tried to play in today's era, even when he was the MVP. See, Ben never won an MVP, but Bradshaw did in 1978. Yeah. Um, but if Bradshaw tried to play today, People talk about he play, he called all his own plays, and he did. But it was, we're going to run right, we're going to run left, and we're going to run up the middle. And then, <laughs> Swanee, Stallworth, go deep, and I'm I'm winging it. It was a different era. Teams started the game in their base defense. They ended the game in their base defense. Yeah. Nowadays, you've got all these exotic looks, multiple coverages, Exotic blitzes. Uh, I mean, what the two things that would kill Bradshaw in today's game is his lack of accuracy and his ability to read coverages. Hmm. Uh, because if he seen one-on-one coverage with Swanee or Stallworth, he was winging it. And, and there was a lot of 50-50 balls. Turnovers were so prevalent back then. Right. I mean, there was way more turnovers. Like, there was games that the Raiders and the Steelers played where they'd be like six, seven total turnovers between both teams. You know, it was just like who could hold on to the ball the most won the game in the end. Uh, but nowadays it's all about ball security, safe plays, not taking risky throws. It was totally different back then. So, yeah. um, all in all, when you look at it, I come to the conclusion – Without, without hopefully any personal preference involved, Ben Roethlisberger was the more talented player. He had the better arm because he had his accuracy. And I think he was, you know, we got to understand that both guys like backyard football. Mm-hmm. You know, look at all the highlights of Bradshaw scrambling around and, and making a play. And same thing men did. They were competitors. They were the ultimate winners. And that's what I want. If you could get the W, especially if you can win championships, what more can you ask for? Exactly. And both of these guys qualify. So in the end, I would have to give the edge uh, who was the better quarterback to Ben Roethlisberger based on could he play back in that area? Yes. The amount of talent, surrounding talent, as you mentioned, which basically the Steelers had a Hall of Fame roster. There was times that the the Pro Bowl looked like a Steelers reunion. (laughs) Um, You know, and so all things all, I think Bradshaw was more a product of the system and his teammates, whereas Ben elevated the play of his teammates. Yeah, I agree with you on on a lot of those aspects. You know, I think Ben came in and was automatic and good in today's, well, it would be more modern football you know 2004 mm-hmm. was almost two decades ago and so um you know it, it was more modern than obviously the 70s was and he was able to be 
um, successful out of the gate. And, you know, I think a lot would argue that Big Ben is more of your old school classic, you know, um, mm-hmm. classic quarterback. He wasn't the guy that's going to work out all off season and come in with six pack abs, although every year he showed up to camp in the best shape of his life. It was you know, never going to be the six pack abs and P90X, you know, that wasn't Ben, right? It wasn't him. He wasn't going to yeah. run a 40 and, and under five seconds and things like that. Um, he, he was, he didn't throw a ball throughout the off season most of the time, you know? Um, in fact, there was a, a clip where he was talking to, I believe, um, Dave Carr, da- uh, David Carr, um, in preseason. And he had mentioned to him that he hadn't worn cleats since, since the Super Bowl. Uh, and that was the year after the uh, the Super Bowl loss against the uh, Green Bay Packers. And so, you know, Ben was kind of that old school guy, very tough, very physical, uh, winged it quite a bit, loved the backyard football, was able to call his own plays in the two minutes and, and you know, two minute drill and and really, in my opinion, made a career of himself there. And, and that was one of his um better attributes was being able to take over games and, and understanding mis- mismatches and, and keeping, you know, the defense on the field with going through the two minute drill and being able to be successful with it. Um, you know, you look at the statistics there, the, and I know a lot of people are saying, you know, the stats, you know, the Super Bowls mean more. And, and, and I get that, but when we're talking about who was a better overall player, mm-hmm. um, I, I think the stats do matter. The completion rate, the amount of dropbacks, you know, Ben Roethlisberger never had a losing season at all. And I don't, I don't think there's very many quarterbacks that can say that. And I mean, maybe I, I've got a question. Mm-hmm. It's like you've read my article and I don't <laughs> think you have, but it's, it's some of the things you're saying. It's like, I, I, I'm kind of wondering if you ain't snuck and read my article. I may have, but you know, you know who should read it? All of you guys make sure you guys go to steel curtain network.com and make sure you go check out the article. When is it coming out? It'll be in the morning. It's coming out tomorrow morning. You don't want to miss it, but we're at the 32 mark. We're going to take a quick break real quick. Uh, When we come right back, we're going to finish this, this conversation. Don't go anywhere. You guys on YouTube stand by. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer. He can't refuse with family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chabacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chabacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan. And I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me. And you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere 
even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. And we're back. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, we were just talking about the uh, quarterback position and the power rankings for the greatest dealer quarterback of all time. Myself and Shannon are both in agreement that Ben Roethlisberger probably is the uh, better athlete, or maybe not so much athlete, the better player who played consistently throughout time. Uh, you know, but I got a question for you, Shannon. If you were going into a big time game uh, tomorrow and you were the head coach and you had uh, Terry Bradshaw when he was at his prime, at his best, not early on, not late, Dick Terry, like 1976 Terry Bradshaw. And you had Ben Roethlisberger, 2015, I think was one of his greater years. Which one would you put in there? Now, if I have Terry, do I get Lance Swan and John Stallworth and Franco Harris and Rocky Blyer? And Mike <laughs> now, I mean, if I get that, uh, that's a tougher decision. But that's if true. I'm just talking about just the quarterback, I'm taking Ben every time. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, one of the things – we always talk about is and people like to talk about that Ben did not have the work ethic, which there's different types of work ethic, but people want to say the guy who lived in the film room, like a Peyton Manning or, or a guy that, you know, his diet and, and what he put in his body. And, and he was a nutritionist and a health nut like Tom Brady. Those were not Ben Roethlisberger. Ben was a normal average Joe. He, he lived his life. He was happy. He had an off season where he did, you know, he was a family man. He was, he was just, he was, you know, his hero growing up was John Elway. Mm -hmm. And that's why he wore the number. And he played the game because Elway was a three sports superstar. And so was Ben in high school. And, and he emulated a lot of the guy that he, that's who Ben is in that tier with to me, with John Elway and Brett Favre, and those guys that were just ball players, not just quarterbacks, they were tough. Um, and so I think that we we lose sight of the fact that when Ben was on, he was he walked amongst the elites. And you say, Well, what do you mean? Well, four times he threw over for 500 plus yards which is the all-time record. He had four perfect passer rating games, which is tied with Peyton Manning for the all, most all-time. Um, he is top two or three in every conceivable category when it comes to winning, whether that's fourth quarter drives, comebacks, winning percentage. And everybody's like, well, winning's a team thing. It's not just the quarterback. But – Clutch quarterbacks help win games. Mm -hmm. And if you take all that into consideration, Ben is in the in the top five in all of them categories. Um, so I think the you know, people say, well, he could have been even better, but would he have been better? He when he stepped away from football in the offseason, he stepped away. He cleared his mind, he cleared his he was ready to come back with the renewed sense of vigor, mm -hmm. you know, because his game was not being brilliant and outsmarting everybody. You know, he wasn't the Peyton Manning 
or a Brady, guys that didn't have maybe the arm talent he had or the physical strength and his capability. So they had to outsmart and outthink the opposition. Yeah. Ben played that, as we said, that backyard style. And uh, so, it, you know, he was great the way he did things. Not everybody, there's more than one way to skin a cat. And some guys are cerebral and some guys are more physical. And Ben was more the physical. But you said something earlier that I wrote in the article is that, yes, Terry Bradshaw called his own plays, but so did Ben Roethlisberger. And when it, when was the Steelers most successful? During Ben's tenures, two-minute warning, in the game scenarios. That's what he could be. And he was calling his own plays, and he'd move them right down. He was one of the best. Again, mm-hmm. top two or three in any statistic. So um, he, he had a little bit of Terry Bradshaw in him is that when he got to call his own plays, he was very successful. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and very he's very successful. He called his own plays. A lot of people called Ben a little bit of a drama queen because sometimes he'd go out there with a with an injury and kind of, you know, throughout the week kind of over, over, over indicate that he was injured in some way, form or fashion. Mm-hmm. For instance, oh, my shoulder hurts, my shoulder hurts. And then the very first play is like a 50-yard bomb. And so <laughs> <laughs> he was good at that. I, you know, I think it was more strategic than anything else, but a lot of people used to think that he was a little bit of a drama queen. But I thought he was very tough. I thought he was a guy that, uh, you know, and, and somebody brings it up in, in the comment section. You know, Had it not been for the off-the-field issues, I think he would have been uh, given the credit that his on the field play deserved. You know, I think a lot of the off the field stuff kind of took away from that credit. Um, and, and, you know, he was never going to be an MVP because of those type of things and, and things oh, like yeah. that, regardless of what the stats say or the ability or, or the year that he had. And so, you know, those things do, do got to be taken in consideration. And I think that if those off the field issues didn't occur, uh, I really do think that Ben would be held in a much higher light, you know, than what he is currently. Um, you don't you don't think any of those off the field issues would postpone him from not being a first round ballot um, Hall of Fame uh, Hall of Famer in the next couple of years? Do you? Well, I would sure hope not. When mm-hmm. you, I mean, again, the mistakes of you. Um, when you are accused of sexual assault, um. Uh, and you have an overzealous district attorney trying to make a name for himself. And he takes it like a lot of times it would have never even went as far as it did. Once right. the, all the evidence come out and, and I'm just, anybody wants can find the report and read it. Yeah, It was bad judgment. It was unbecoming for a Pittsburgh Steeler. The Rooney's let him know in no uncertain terms, but in no way, shape or form is that right. That happens all every weekend, all across the country. Right. People mix alcohol and bad decisions. Uh, but again, that was a young man, a single man who grew up to become a father and a husband and a face of the franchise and a great representative, uh, not only for the Steelers, but for the NFL. Yeah. The fact that people can't forget things. Um, you know, there's, we've got Lawrence Taylor, in the Hall of Fame. That's true. But, I mean, there's a lot of guys in the Hall of Fame that did these things even after they quit playing. Yeah. Uh, and still got in the Hall of Fame and are still there now because it's based on your play as a, on the field, 
Mm-hmm. And and uh, you know the the main thing it's funny they let them in for everything except for like say baseball for steroids. Yeah, <laughs> uh, which I don't know why that became the 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 okay no nah, no nah, we can't have that none of yeah. that in the Hall of Fame. But these are nobody's perfect, right? But you you eventually when a man totally changes. And I remember when Ben first started to change. And as a, as a man of faith myself, and I've heard from different people that knew him closely, that he was a changed person, individual. I heard people say, well, you wait. In a year or two, he's going to screw up again because a leopard can't change her spots and blah, 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 yeah. blah. Okay, how many years has it been now? I mean, yeah. the dude is different. He is a different young man. Yeah. And a lot of stuff that people don't like him to this day is because one, there is a particular bias against the Steelers. When you're the most successful team for the modern era, there is, there's people that hate the Patriots because of their success. There's people that hate the Steelers because of the Steelers success. He was the golden boy as a rookie. And that next year, everybody just, you know, they thought he was going to be big time. He was getting endorsements. He was getting all that. And then he had the motorcycle wreck and he made some other bad decisions. And so, I mean, he got blacklisted. Yeah. And he's never recovered from that. It doesn't matter. He's a happy individual, got a great family. His legacy is secure. I cannot imagine a scenario where he's not first ballot Hall of Famer. I I just can't even imagine it because um, he was never – People never considered him the top five quarterback mm-hmm. uh, really at any point in his career. I yeah. did. I Still did. fans, the majority did because let's put it this way. If you had to say people and say, you got two minutes and you can pick one quarterback that's going to go out and win you that game, who would you pick? And I guarantee you he'd been in the top five in. I mean, the guy was clutch. You know, he is clutch every every opportunity that he had at the at the end of the games um, at the most weightiest moments. He he showed up. I mean, how many how many um, how many NFL players can say they beat mm-hmm. a NFL? Uh, I mean, an NBA Hall of Fame basketball player at a game of horse. That's how clutch he is. He beat him at the end there against Shaquille O'Neal. I, I remember watching that. <laughs> you know, that's something that that unfortunately I don't think Terry Bradshaw ever did. <laughs> although, although Terry did create a, a, a country album, I believe yes. that, that did yeah. become part of the charts. I, I believe it didn't hit the charts at one point. One of his songs did. Uh, did you ever? Uh, was Terry good? I've never heard him. I've I've seen, I've seen. I may have heard one of his songs, but did you did you partake in his music? No, Ter- uh, <laughs> Terry was was destined to be a great football player, not a singer. Yeah. Um, it was funny. He did movies, Cannonball Run, and and different movies, and and we were all excited when they would come out because we wanted to save. And basically, he just played a hick. He just played yeah. himself. You know, it wasn't no stretch. It wasn't no acting going on. Right. Uh, but uh, he had he had dreams and things he wanted to do, and so he had the fame to try to pull it off. But but in all honesty, no, he he was not a good singer. <laughs> 
Oh man, so he sounds like a '70s version of Le'Veon Bell. I mean, doing ah, the music yeah, career. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but Ben Roethlisberger also did some acting. He was in the Batman movie, yeah, playing yeah. himself as well, a quarterback yes. on the. <laughs> Not a big Iron stretch, Bay. yes. <laughs> yeah, nothing, nothing too crazy. Those guys did make the silver screen though, so yeah. that's awesome. Uh, you know, transitioning outside of the top two quarterbacks that were out there, who who do you feel was the most underrated? Pittsburgh Steelers quarterback and all Steelers from what you from what you've um, known from Steelers history. The most underrated. Um, when you start talking about the second tier mm-hmm. of quarterbacks, um, I think you'd have to talk about a guy like Cordell Stewart, who would be a player that would be perfect in today's game. Yeah more so than he was when he did hit the NFL. And he, he kind of uh, took the NFL by storm because he was so exciting and people kind of overlooked some weaknesses in his game because he was, you know, he just made so many big plays and could do things nobody else. Now you see guys like him. You see a Lamar Jackson or a, a Justin Fields or – but back, you know, they was only a few guys – like Cordell Stewart was even more athletic than a Donovan McNabb or a Steve McNair. I mean, he took it. He would have, he could have been a Pro Bowl wide receiver yeah. if he had just focused on wide receiver. So that shows you how talented he was. Um, I, I at times Tommy Maddox was such a fun quarterback to watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, now he also had a terrible pin, uh, tendency to throw pick sixes. I don't know what it was about him. They lost the game to the Houston, Texas, where I think they give up like 43 yards total. Yeah. And they lost the game because he threw two pick sixes in the same game. Um, You know, he was the guy that wanted to throw outside the numbers, but he didn't have the arm to throw outside the numbers. So, um, but there just hasn't been too many really good – you know, it's easily Terry and Ben when you talk about the upper echelon, but I think those two guys don't get the credit that, that they deserve because they were like the stepping stones to Ben. Right. Because the quarterbacks have been so bad for so long, they kind of, you know, took them in the right direction. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, when it comes to, you know, underrated – um, quarterbacks. I, I definitely can see those two guys. I think that Tommy Maddox, had he not had the neck injury, I think he could have, th- th- there was some flashes there, hmm. you know, of, um, of a guy that was able to m- make this off, uh, make the Steelers off in something that it wasn't, you know, prior to him, it was a lot of like, you know, run the ball, the ground game. And, you know, Tommy Maddox comes in and all of a sudden you, you're seeing passes to Plaxico, Heinz Ward's getting involved. You know, everybody's moving around and, and the ball's traveling in the air. Even even after Tommy Maddox's injury and Ben Roethlisberger comes in, and in Ben's second year, he ends up going down with a leg injury. And he's out for a couple games and Maddox gets brought in. And to me, it felt like the offense was opened up a little bit more under Maddox. The ball was, you know, it felt like Cowher was throwing the ball a little bit more often than when he was with Ben back there. And I think it took me a little bit to realize that was probably just because, you know, Tommy Maddox probably understood more of the offense than Ben at that time. He'd only been, you know, the mm-hmm. starter for a year and, and a couple of games. And so uh, eventually it got to the point where the offense was more opened up for Ben as well. But, you, you know, know, Maddox I, put up some 
really big numbers with Plexico mm-hmm. and Ward there. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they were really an explosive offense. Uh, I remember that tie against the Atlanta Falcons with mm-hmm. the shootout with Michael Vick. And that was like a, a, a you know, a video game, the numbers and the, the statistics from that game. So, yeah, Maddox was a guy that he could be hot as a firecracker, but he could also be cold as a cucumber and he'd kill you. Yeah, no, 100%. Yeah, there's one name I'm surprised that you didn't mention in your underrated quarterbacks, and it's the only other quarterback to make it to a Super Bowl for the Pittsburgh Steelers. (laughs) (laughs) And that's one, uh, Neil O'Donnell. Where where does he fall in your your list of quarterbacks to where the Pittsburgh Steelers black and gold? He doesn't come on my list. (laughs) I'm, um, you know, people, nobody's perfect and players lose games. Um, Mm -hmm. it's just the way it is. Uh, but the way that game was lost and then to immediately sign that massive contract and, and go to New York and leave the Steelers high and dry and, and, uh, yeah, I do not even talk about him. Uh, <laughs> so that's all I'll say. <laughs> He's a name that will not be mentioned. Yeah. For Shannon. <laughs> yeah. I, I get it. I get it. You know, I was, that was a very devastating game for me. As many of you guys know, I, I actually reside in Texas. And so, you know, that Super Bowl leading up to the, up to that Super Bowl, I was getting the brunt force of a lot of Cowboy fans at school. And I, um, I fought back, you know, I was like, nah, man, we're going to, we're going to beat you guys. We're mm-hmm. going to do this. We're going to do that. And I was, I was a little nervous. Cause you know, I knew even then I knew it was going to be a daunting task. You know, the offense from the Cowboys, they had that three headed monster and Aikman, Emmett Smith and Michael Irvin. And, um, you know, offensively Neil Donald and, and the Steelers weapons just didn't match up. The defense was there, you know, and I felt that the defense could have hold their own. And, and in the end they did. You know, it wasn't the defense's fault. In fact, it was the offense's yeah. inability yep. uh, to put points on the board and then thus turn over the ball, which costed them the game. And, you know, I don't think I went to school for a week after that game. I think I, <laughs> I, think I waited a while. I actually I actually went back. So I, hadn't wa- I haven't watched the full game since. Now, I did go back and watch some of the highlights because I'd heard some rumblings and some rumors that, you know, there was an there was a receiver, Ernie Ernie Mills, I believe. They got injured during the game, and he wasn't there. And he the, the receiver that was there ran the wrong route. I went back and watched those two interceptions. I don't think there's a route capable to get a receiver where he threw the ball. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it was so bad. I, I I actually considered thinking, did this guy shave points? Did he did he bet somewhere? Because it looked that bad. It, it was that bad. Yes. Oh man! It, but it, you it, know the it, thing that I remember, uh, without getting off topic, that the huge advantage that the Cowboys had was Aikman over Universal O'Donnell. Yeah. But I still say that the most dominant offensive line I've ever seen was those nineties, mid nineties. Dallas Cowboy offensive lines. Yeah. Uh, they were ahead of their time. They were huge. They could move and they crushed people. 
And when you consider how good that defense was and how that Lloyd literally one time laid flat on the ground and let the lineman go over him, and then he jumped up and made the tackle behind him because he knew that he was no way he could match up with Williams because Williams was so huge. You, I've never seen Lloyd avoid contact like that, but he knew he had to. And that's why that LeVon Kirkland had such a great Super Bowl because LeVon Kirkland was 280 to 300 pounds between, you know, if, if it was after lunch or after supper. And he was such a massive middle linebacker that he was able to hold up against the Cowboys and Moose Johnson and that offensive line. So, um, yeah, that was just the Cowboys. You got to give them credit. They had they put together an incredible offensive line. Yeah, no, they they definitely did. And you know that's you know the game is won and lost in the trenches. It, it is a true yep. fact, and especially back in the nineties when. You know, running the ball was a big component of your game. And, you know, and you had such dominant, you know, not so much dominant defenses, but you had the lack of rules that allowed for defenses to be dominant then. And it allowed them to be physical. And, and you know, the, the Cowboys, they won three Super Bowls because of it. Yep. Now, we can't we can't end this show on a Neil O'Donnell Super Bowl no. law stuff. So what is your favorite uh, memory uh, from Bradshaw and Ben Roethlisberger? And then we'll call it a show. Well, with Bradshaw, it's just those countless. I mean, when we played, you know, we I, it was like wing it deep, baby, wing it deep. You know, yeah. you wanted to be on the receiving end of a deep ball or you wanted to throw it. And, and that was one of my first – I love the passing game because I love Terry Bradshaw throwing deep to Swan and Stallworth. And then with Ben, it was just the plays that he just didn't give up. It was just like any of us playing in the backyard. And he was like, I was going to shove off his 300-pound lineman and keep the play alive, pump fake, you know, screw up the cameraman, and then make a an incredible play that he was one of the only guys that could ever do that. So – I have such great memories of both uh, both gentlemen, and uh, we were just blessed to not only have one, but to have two quarterbacks of that caliber. 100%, 100%. You know, I know a lot of people look to Ben Roethlisberger and look at that Super Bowl against the uh, Arizona Cardinals, the, the last drive there, the, you know, the pass to San Antonio Holmes or, or the countless passes like that in those clutch moments. I think Ben was one of the more – clutchiest quarterbacks to ever play football period not just be you know on the, on the Pittsburgh Steelers um you know I remember the walk-off touchdown throw to Mike Wallace against the uh, Green Bay Packers yep. that one was a great one but one of my favorite moments was was the dilly dilly play yeah. you know, against <laughs> against the Tennessee Titans I thought that was hilarious I was watching that and I heard it and I was like did he just say dilly dilly <laughs> uh well, with that one, that's going to be a show, Dilly Dilly. Do you have anything? I know you have a, a um, an article coming up on stillcurrentnetwork.com, which is in the description. I put it in the description so you guys can go check out our content. Um, just hit the uh, info button and you'll see that there. What, what else do you have coming up this week? I know you have a new show. It's no longer the curtain call. Let, no, let know it's about it. uh, uh, Pump Your Breaks, and it's uh, the homies. We have... Uh, Kevin Tate, we have Big G, and then, you know, I was an honorary homie, but now 
I am an official homie. I am the hillbilly homie. <laughs> the hillbilly homie. The hillbilly <laughs> homie, and, and I'm proud to say that. And um, I think we have a a, a a really good chemistry. We you can feel the passion. How we all love the Steelers, and hopefully everybody will be able to join us, and we'll be able to. Guys will be this Wednesday. Guys will be reporting and checking in, and then Thursday, you know, everything's going to hopefully get rolling and. So we're now we're going to be talking about actual events and things happening in the training camp. So I am super excited. Oh, yeah, man. It's going to be exciting time. This is the exciting time. This is the time where everybody is extremely optimistic. Everybody's healthy and the Super Bowl is the goal. Right. So I appreciate oh, it. Oh, I, I don't know if you've seen today, but it's been all over Twitter. People talking about uh, Kenny Pickett. And how his arm strength is much improved this year. And people, you know, a lot of times arm strength isn't the issue. It's your throwing motion. It's your footwork. It's, you know, so you get a guy and let him really work on it and have that work ethic like Kenny Pickett has. You know, Tom Brady did not throw the same as a rookie as he did during his MVP seasons. So hopefully we're going to see a new and improved Kenny Pickett. So that's just something else to look forward to. I've heard, I've heard there's been a lot of bombs being thrown yeah. early on. So I'm excited about that, especially when you got somebody like George Pickens on the outside that can just go up mm. there and snatch it out of the air. It's going to be an exciting year. I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to pump your brakes on Wednesday. Uh, with that being said, y'all, Shannon, take us out. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.